Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Anushka Gangadin, I am so excited to have you on She's the Boss podcast. We have met because you came on my show and it was nowhere near long enough to find out all of your juicy story. So welcome. Oh, hi, Joel. Very happy to continue this chat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's just assume no one knows anything about you. And of course, they would have had to probably have their head under a bush if they haven't. But (laughs) let's assume they haven't. Tell everybody, what is it that you do? Tell us a bit about you and your business. Okay. Well, at the moment, um, I probably wear a few different hats. So I'll start by saying that. Um, And this show is about our own business. So I will start by the business that I am founder. So I'll talk about Global CQ. So it's a consulting firm uh, that I set up just over two years ago to help business build and benefit from cultural intelligence, cultural diversity. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so we, we, you know, the, Australia is becoming increasingly diverse and uh, the way we communicate, the way we consume, it's all changing, be it internally for our teams or um, for our consumer. Hence, yep. Global CQ. CQ stands for cultural intelligence. And there we do a number of, of different ways we help uh, employers, uh, but it also includes um, connecting them with a diverse pool. So we've got a tech platform that allows us to do that. And we also do consulting work and then I run trainings and speaking gigs. So that's basically it. At cool. did, did you develop the tech platform? No, I've got a, a business partner, a tech partner, um, and we use one passport. And with that, we really can also have verified information for our talent. So, you know, we can basically 84% of employers um, realize that um, people lie on their CVs. So <laughs> No, I find that really hard to believe. So, people lie on their CVs. There you go, or on LinkedIn. So, um, Tell me they didn't just work that out. <laughs> so with one passport and um, the, they can also do the verification of qualifications, of police check, of employment history. Right. And, you know, when you have talent moving from all around the world, this is an important part of that compliance. So, you know, Really important. So why did you set it up? Where is, where is this problem that you're solving? Yes, I came to Australia seven years ago after having worked in China for 11 years and I worked with a French law firm there and I was uh, doing you're work. You're interesting. With... I didn't know that. Oh, you did. China with a French law firm. Yeah. Are you Australian originally? No, I am a new Aussie, fresh off the boat. Right. How old? Oh, okay. Well, I'll ask you that in a minute. Let's just talk first about why you set up Cultural CQ. And I realised I interrupted you. You didn't tell us about all the other hats you've got. So yeah, no, off no, you go. We'll, we'll get to them. Um, so I I came here after working 11 years in China. So doing a lot of work across Europe and China. I, I do finance. And before that, I uh, was born in Mauritius, so very multicultural of oh, Indian heritage. Okay. So worked as well with Africa. And, and when I came to Australia... I saw the, you know, on the street, the population is becoming more and more um, diverse. We also sitting at the corner here near Africa, near Asia. These are emerging economies. There's a shift in the global powers. 
And here we are, we've got a, a massive advantage. But how do we use that? How do we leverage that? Business still um, doesn't have that capability of how to engage. And it's not from a lack of not wanting, but it's also not knowing. So I created Global CQ to look at this from a strategic point of view. Not a training that you do every so often, once a year, twice a year, tick a box and leave it there. Because if we were to really look at the potential of how it can increase engagement and bottom line, yeah. um, you know, it's huge. Having cultural diversity in a team increases bottom line by 35%. Um, so I that's, would 100% believe that. I mean, really... And I can also understand that there are people out there who believe it but just don't know where to go and what to do. So it's a great service that you're offering. Well, thank you, Jewel. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's still a part of, of the business, I realise, has also to do with educating the market. So that has Absolutely. been a big learning for me here in Australia. And that is actually a hard slog. I, was just mm. get, I just have got off the phone with someone talking about they've just set up a DIY PR business, which I've got as well. And I always love reaching out to people that are in the same space. I don't ever see people as competition. And we had a great conversation and I was saying to her the same thing, You educating a market about something they don't know that they don't know mm. is quite difficult. But you have got, I think, probably the media and also people's heads are changing yeah. as a result of COVID. So you're probably, you know, absolutely hitting the nail on the head right now. Yeah, I think so. I did feel we were early to market and instead of going yeah. and jumping and be able to do all this consulting work, we realized we had to do more education. Um, so I, I wrote a book in that process, which is still uh, in the process of being finalized and published on cultural intelligence. And I interviewed 25 leaders globally on that subject as well. And that's and did you coin the and did you coin the phrase CQ? Because I've heard of EQ, I've never heard of CQ. Is that no, is that a, a Nushka thing? It's around, but it's not been as popularized as Common. EQ. But it is really it is cultural intelligence. So it's um, basically you know IQ EQ the new Q on the block CQ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now I am sure that you would have had a light bulb moment, as in there would have been something that happened. And <laughs> I'm, I'm actually being really emphatic, aren't I? I hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> but that something would have happened that made you decide, look, th there's the gap. I've got to go in and do something about yeah. it. Can you tell us about what it was that happened? Yes. So I um, finished a role as CEO of the Duke of Edinburgh's Award here, my first four years in Australia. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, so I, I did that. And then, um, you know, in that first week of the press release going out, I had another job offer, CEO of another company. And I said, no, I'm going to sit. Whatever I do in the next few years is going to be really something I spend a lot of time with. I'm not going to jump on anything. So I gave right. myself a few months to really let it happen, let it come, you know. <laughs> and so uh, hang on a minute, go back. So what did you do? Just stop work and just yeah. let it percolate? Yeah, How I just lovely. Yeah, I thought I'll give myself a bit of time. I haven't had a, a break, you know, and between yeah. roles it's always a good time. But I, I just thought I'll let things happen really when it feels right and go with the flow. Um, so that was mid mid of the year. And then come um, November, I started working on global enterprising women, recognizing right. women uh, who are enterprising, be it running their own businesses or working for someone else. The difference is having that enterprising mindset because then you do yeah. things differently. And, uh, and I created and set up a, an advisory board. I've got some great people behind me. And as we kept working one board meeting, another week after week, I just realized, you know what, there's more to this. I do not only enjoy working with women. 
I yeah. have, you know, then it was like, okay, this is a subset of what I do. So there was a moment. We had the, the website ready. We had the logo ready. And I jumped into a board meeting, an advisory board meeting, and I said, you know, it's not working. That's not enough. We've Doesn't got to right. There's an umbrella, and that's around cultural intelligence. Yeah. And then I said, but I still need to go through this with you and explain. And everyone was on board. So right back to the drawing board, change the logo, change the website. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> how, long did you, how long did you have to put off the um, launch? Oh, it, it was very quick because, um, you know, and that's, I think, also being a small business, you're nimble and getting the right people behind being able. It wasn't like uh, it, it was, you know, something that was percolating. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, that's, I think, being a small one. So not much time at all. So I just went back to the same. <laughs> and now it feels like for me, I'd, I've actually been the opposite. I have always done all my business for everyone and I've chosen women and it has never felt more right. Like, isn't it yeah. funny that you just, something happens and you go, no, nah, this is right. So since then, yep. um, and of course, the cultural intelligence is is definitely across both genders, yep. but also very important, really, that, a, a, that the men, a lot of whom are in power, are the ones that understand this because they're the ones who can implement yeah. it. Yeah, so it, it's at that leadership, you know, position. How Level. do we uh, educate, influence, and uh, so, it, kind of you know, so I think um, gender balance is part of it, but it wasn't yes. just that. And I, no. you know, so for me, it was it was clear then. And then I thought, oh my god, I have worked my whole life to be here because I've worked across so many different cultures, uh, in different roles, different industry. Really, I've got something I can add. There's so much more I have to learn in this lifetime, but there is something here definitely I can add. And I am a walking, talking example. So, you know, I also felt <laughs> I can own this space yes. through experience. Yeah. Yes. And I do think that, you know, you need to have experienced it really to be able to affect change because then you know where the problems are. All right. So now let's go right back to Anushka as a little girl, because I bet you didn't say when I grow up, I want to have a CQ agency or consultancy. <laughs> no. So can but you tell me about... before we go there, Jewel, I'll just yeah. mention my other hats because oh, I yes, do, do little bits. Um, so I am also for the last just over 12 months, the CEO of the Australian yeah, Chamber of Commerce. There yes. again, <laughs> recognizing. Um, so the Australian Indian Chamber of Commerce, yes. it is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which I absolutely love. India being my fav second favorite country after Australia. Yes, <laughs> yes, you do. And I think this is so common. You know, India seems to be a love story, a love affair for many yes. people, and and some people just don't get it. It's you know for you or not. So there's a bit of that. Uh, there's a lot of people that are very scared because I yeah. took a group of my friends over there for my fiftieth, and none of them had been, and they were all terrified. I know. But they absolutely loved it. But for me, my father was born there, and my grandparents lived there for thirty-five oh, years as so part of that whole cultural, you know, story. colonial rule. <laughs> a real love story. So I guess I I grew up hearing about India. Yeah, that's okay. slightly different that India, but still. <laughs> so I I some. Of see you there and we really work at that business to business uh, level and also working with government. How did it come about? How did you end up as the chairman? How did you even get involved with that? that, um, that uh, there's a, a few, you know, a, a few people very committed to the relationship between Australia and India. And for me, having been in China for that long and seen, I was in China in 2001 when China won the Beijing Olympics and the country completely opened. So it was a great right. time to be there. But I've seen a lot more Europeans than I have seen Australians' businesses in China. And then when I look at now, 
where India is going. It's the youngest country. Um, you know, we've got uh, a lot of, of, of traffic uh, talent coming into Australia. And the technology and the, the yeah. technology information and understanding that's coming out of India. I mean, we're kind yeah. of going, oh, you know, they're the Upwork and the freelancers. But yeah. let me tell you, they are super smart and their internet's five times faster yes. than here. Yes. You know, yes. they're great. So when we see the potential and um, but at the same time, there was a gap in uh, business in corporate Australia to yeah. really understand the full potential of India and also build capability. And being of Indian heritage, uh, you know, India is very close to my heart. So with a group of Indian, I mean, with a group of businesses and entrepreneurs, yeah. we set up the Chamber of Commerce to really be... Oh, you set be, it up yourselves. Amazing. Yes. So, but, but you know, you, you, it's not a... a privately owned business because no, it is a no, chamber no, no, of commerce. No, no, so we had to go through a full process of getting approval from federal government to be known as a chamber of commerce. So that's what But it amazes done. me that there wasn't one. That's all, I guess. Um, we, I, there see, there I mean, are some other organisations. Oh, and the chamber okay. of commerce existed a while ago. Then it merged to become right. part of another business. Uh, but there was a gap in that corporate a space that we are really, uh, really focusing in. So um, we went to reestablish, but it was, a, you know, it's like starting from scratch again. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a wonderful initiative. And it kind of amazes me because in Australia, we talk so much about China. Mm -hmm. um, and we talk about the opportunity in China and India is almost as big and they speak English and they're yeah. super friendly. You know, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I, I look at both and go, wow, I, it, it, there's no choice for me. I mean, one is so much more obviously aligned with us. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of, of changes happening at the moment around that, as we you would have experienced. And, you know, they're both big countries, but then uh, I think that's probably where it stops. When you look at the demographic of the population, India has a young population, China has an aging population. Right. You know, so all of that, when you look into the future, where the markets are, the, it's quite clear. It's so the youth. economically, it makes sense to be looking at India. Yeah. Um, so, I, and I think businesses are, I know from the conversations I'm having, there's definitely a shift there. So we're very pleased. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, what other hats do you have on? Tell uh, us, tell us the other things you're up to. I have a couple of board roles. In your spare time. In my spare time. I've <laughs> got two kids. Yeah. <laughs> two so kids homeschooling, fine at the moment. Um, yes. And uh, I also sit on a couple of different boards. Um, Great. We love tech, women on boards. Tech, tech space. So, um, one is a, in a fintech and uh, another one in a health tech. So, yeah. Wow. So you're a busy woman. All right. Yeah. Now I want to know your story. So <laughs> tell me about, I don't, so you were, you were born, tell me from when you were born right the way through to now. Gee, how long do you have? <laughs> I've got about 20 minutes. Off you go. <laughs> um, so born and bred in Mauritius, a Beautiful. small island for those who don't know, very multicultural. Everyone comes from somewhere else. Um, you know, the eldest of three, you've got two brothers and of Indian heritage. But right. um, we also very much westernized in terms of our education, you know, so that's... Um, so so, started... so how, how long were you in Mauritius for? Oh, for or how old for... were you when you left? I went to China in 2001. So, you know, for kind of half of my life. Right. Yeah, less, less, yeah. So I did my first and you did your So you did your... Um, your um, I can't think of the word for it, school education. Yeah, I'm I did sure my first degree word. in Mauritius. 
and university in, in Mauritius, yeah. right? Interesting. I did my first okay. degree in Mauritius and then I did an MBA while I was in China with Melbourne Business School. So what made you decide to go to China? Uh, I went to China for one month of holiday, left 11 years later with an Aussie husband and two kids, never went back home. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, you that's go. a great story in <laughs> itself. Right, so you went there for your one-month holiday. What happened? Yeah, I went. Uh, my brother was studying medicine, and it was his last term last year. So yeah. I went to see him and to travel a bit and then, you know, have his graduation and come back, or probably not even because I, had, I was there for a month. Um, and that was in 2001, and things were changing in China. So, right. you know, when I think about it, I had a great job with L'Oreal, and I resigned from that job before going to China. So I think... Something must have said to me. You, well, yeah. you were opening yourself up for opportunities, <laughs> yeah, I would say. Um, and when I went there, obviously they were open to having a lot of foreigners. Um, to, you know, but how did you get a job in China? I would have thought oh, that was, was very, really hard. It was very easy because it was opening up to the world once they won the Beijing Olympic um, to really build capability quickly. So I right. um, got in touch there with the French Chamber of Commerce. A friend of mine was working there. And um, and then they say, oh, just drop your resume. And and then I think I got a couple of calls f to go and meet the partner of this law firm. And I say, you know what? I am not a lawyer. I chose not to be a lawyer. I'm not going to be a, a legal assistant. So why would I go? Anyway, after, you know, I think two times, I said, okay, let me make time and go and meet. And in fact, we had a great conversation and um, they wanted to... Because often it's not about the job, it's about the person, isn't it? So it sounds like they were a great person. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, he, he need like, I think they recognised that um, China was becoming a very big office and it did become, we had 25 offices globally and China was yep. the biggest office in that time once the, we won the Olympics. So we need to decentralize. We needed to bring the finance department um, in China for Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong. So basically, that's what I started working with him, and we set up the finance and clients department. Um, so wow. started for Beijing. Then that's Shanghai, not bad when you're 22 or whatever you were. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a very, very, very good experience. I cannot. Oh, I can. I mean, it know. would be the, it would be the best experience yeah. I could imagine. Yeah. Anyone yeah. could get, and lucky you that you had it. Yeah. So how long? Yeah. So you worked there for 11 years in yes. the same company. Yes. Same company, and then I left, came to Australia. But in my last two years, I decided, you know, I I want to do consulting. Leadership is a space that I really, really love. And I, I went and did a weekend of coaching certification, and I really right. liked it. So then I spent two years becoming an executive certified coach. Yep. Um, my last two years, I finished it in, in Australia, but I did maybe a year and a half there. And then I uh, moved here. I brought a German consulting firm to Australia uh, okay. when I came. As you do when you're coming from China. <laughs> <laughs> you are seriously the multicultural queen. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and around personal and organisational development. And then, okay. uh, so Duke of Edinburgh's Award actually was my client, was a client. I did their board retreat. I worked with their CEOs, uh, the CEO, and then I made some recommendation to the board that then became, you know, a, a role that I took on part-time, became full-time. Four years later, I was gone and here I am now. <laughs> amazing, amazing. What a journey. I love it. Yeah, um, okay, fun. so... Now, I'm going to ask you a question I ask everyone. You don't have to answer if, if there is no one that springs to mind, but because this is about women in business, I always yeah. like to do 
um, to ask whether there have been any women that have helped you along the way and kind of been quite pivotal in your career? And if so, how did they help you? I just like hearing those good stories. Yeah. And if there isn't anyone, then you can say no one. <laughs> Look, I have had both men and women uh, yes. throughout my career as mentors, some formally, some not, or as boss. So I've been very lucky. Uh, so I do believe in when I can mentor someone to do that because I know what it has done for me. Yeah. Um, in I would just probably go now at the moment, I set up an advisory board for Global CQ. Yep. And uh, we have four board members and three are women. And I went, Yay, you know, good. <laughs> and I went to each one of them knowing that they bring very, very different skills and expertise. Um, and uh, they all said yes. And I afterwards I asked them as well. Um, and they said, you know, they were more or less there to invest in me. Uh, and the business was, you know, was what it was. So, you know, and I think people do invest in people. So something yes, we should I never agree. forget. Um, and that's why when we pivoted, we changed, it was all okay. So I've got, uh, you know, and we, we, we've we got uh, one male board member and sometimes he said, yeah, I'm the token male here and we just have a good laugh, you know, about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, it's kind of not, you must be one of very few companies that has a predominantly female board. And let's be honest, that's because all the rest of them have predominantly male. So, mm. you know, it's 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 good to sort of twist and turn, and it gives you a different it gives you a different perspective on yeah. things as well. Yeah, and, and and everyone brings very very different and complementary skills. So I think for me, oh, yeah. maybe one of my superpowers is around that recognizing, you know, what a team needs and bring yeah. the right people in. Um, and I did that. So gender. I mean, of course, we were going with a women business. There's no way I couldn't have that. So uh, the UN Sustainable Goal around gender equality is one of the goals that I, I you know, adhere to. Right. So it has to be part in everything we do. Um, yeah. But at same being said that, we work with both male and female. Yeah, yeah. No, well, yes, I, I totally agree, but I've decided to shine the spotlight on women instead. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, and I, I just I think... do, I do, uh, I head the Thai Women, which is a women entrepreneur program. We've just right. did the inaugural um, program here in Victoria. That's finished now. Our winner is going to be able to go and pitch on the global uh, pitch competition and uh, stand to earn a hundred thousand US dollars as cash prize, not even equity. Fantastic. So you know, we, yeah, we need to continue to push those and create pathways. Absolutely, we do. All right. So now, tell me about along your journey. And again, uh, you know, I don't know whether this is true or not, but I'm going to ask anyway. Have there been any particular challenges that you've learned from? So when everything goes a bit pear-shaped and you go, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Um, often that is the moment where you kind of get some clarity and go, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So have you had anything happen like that in your career or in your particularly your entrepreneurial kind of um, aspect, setting up your own company where things have gone a bit mm. dodgy? <laughs> well, I didn't tell you before I left Mauritius, I had my first go at this. <laughs> <laughs> ah, right. You didn't tell me. So tell me what happened. So um, I was working full time for L'Oreal and then I um, thought it'd be a good idea to do a regional trade show on health right. and beauty. You know, let, why not do something for the whole region and go and try and get people from different islands to come. Right. Um, 
And I did that. It was a massive, massive, massive project uh, to be delivered, created and delivered in um, nine months. So, you know, on one level, it was in the paper. We were able to get incredible speakers, three days, you know, tick, tick, tick. Fantastic. But my God, behind the scene, I, I think I probably sit and saw one of my hair go grey overnight. <laughs> <laughs> so really, you're like me and you look at those women who organise massive events and go, how can you take joy from this? <laughs> oh, oh, God. And it was all the pressure because everything was huge. Every bill I received, every negotiation, and I was just very, very young. So if, you know, but I learned so much from that. I learned how to set up a business. I learned to, about structures. I learned about governance. I, I learned a lot probably, you know, in the hard way as well. Yeah, so, massive life lessons. Yeah, and, um, and working full time at the same time. So... I but also how to pick yourself up if things don't go well. I think it's really to. important to acknowledge that actually you've done an amazing job to try and do it whether uh, to whatever extent. Yeah. And and you know and that you do learn a lot and yeah. it's worth taking the risk. Oh, I, absolutely. But then I went to China after that. Probably if I went back, I would have had another go and do it differently. Um, okay. So I learned a lot, and it you know. You are in the business. If you get media coverage, it's saying, yeah, you've done something. So we got all of those. But, my God, I would do it very differently. I would do it with different partners. So I think that's one. And then, you know, starting in new countries. Like I started in, in China almost from nothing. I came to Australia the same way. I did bring a German yeah. friend, but I did not have any network. And you know how Australia and Melbourne, they talk about, you know, uh, networks, who you know, your private school, this and that. Well, they um, do. But let me tell you, I, I, re, I went to London. That was a whole eye-opening experience because they're just so unfriendly. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> trusts you. The nice thing in Australia is if somebody likes you, yeah. you know, they might meet you for a coffee. They might do In England, they'll go, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you for a coffee. And you have to do that four times before they're actually going to. And yeah. they also don't tell you what they really mean. There <laughs> so you go, cultural yes, differences. Yeah, exactly. differences. Well, in Australia, exactly. I have been very lucky. Uh, I can, you know, while I came with no network, none of this, I have had yeah. doors open. And, you know, by, by men, by women. So I really cannot say I had to face any of that. Um, but, you know, in, in every time I had to restart was also challenging but at the same time you know the world is my oyster it's time to create so I yes. have embraced that and I allow myself to get comfortable with that unknown with that uncertainty for a while and really things I couldn't think of happen so I have yeah. learned to really um, trust my gut instinct that's probably the one thing I've done uh, through lessons in that life. is brilliant advice on that alone it, anybody listening to this there's the nugget trust <laughs> your gut and trust yourself back yourself as they say because you know if, if you're sure you're onto something then it will it will all open up for you yeah. all right so you said you're a mum you've got you're on boards you've got the 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 chairmanship of the Australian the Indian, CEO. CEO of Chamber of Commerce you've got CQ how do you juggle work and life? Is there any kind of, I mean, is it all kind of mashed up together? Or are you saying no evenings and weekends are for my kids? Or how does it work? Well, now you have to throw in confinement, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go outside of confinement, what you do. and Because now it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah, yes, no. we have no difference between anything. Um, I have to be quite disciplined. 
Um, but I tell you what, when I did not have clear focus, I was still creating my products within the business or the direction, I was a lot more absorbed in the business. Now that I know there's, this is what we do here, this is what we do here, while of course you continue to, to grow, innovate and adapt, I also find that I am able to focus on one task and, and get it done. So I, I create my calendar for the week. I yep. batch some days and some hours for the different I projects. just realized, and you're really good friends with Kate Christie, yeah. a.k.a. the Time Styler, so I, I bet you do. You wouldn't be allowed not to. I know. <laughs> and I have called upon Kate to give me a hen whenever I felt yeah, she's overwhelmed, amazing. and it's been really good. Um, I also teach an MBA program, so there's one day a week that I do. Uh, <laughs> of I course lecture. you do. <laughs> um, but, you know, Jill, I think, after having worked for what more than 20 years now the work I do is also quite at that strategic level I don't need to go deep down and do the full execution I can yeah do that and work with someone to help me do that bit that's why and at that level then uh, you know the stakeholder engagement the relationship management the strategic kind of uh, growth of the business I do those and I love doing those right and but I need to be able to do that, I really need one or two very, very solid people around me. And I have got my PA and I have got uh, um, w one very, very good support. And without them, I couldn't do it. And so, I'm. Um, but how are you also juggling personal life? Yeah. I mean, outside of COVID, the yeah. fact that you've got these people helping you allows you to have your weekends. Because I just, it's really, I ask women all this, some of them it, are like, it's not work. It's my passion. Yeah. So I do it all the time and I just slot in the family and other ones go, no, no, I make it a rule that five o'clock on a Friday night, that's it. I don't do anything else. So yeah. it's really interesting. I would sit somewhere firmly in the middle of both of those. I think yeah, I work if I'm evenings. Busy, I do work. Uh, yeah, if, evenings. if I'm busy, I'll work. And if I'm not busy, yeah. I won't work. Basically, I work evenings. Uh, some on the weekend, I would do a few hours of work. At, at some stage and for me it helps me yeah. set my week and, yeah. and I really love what I do so you know <laughs> in that sense it doesn't really feel like it's work I'm quite happy no. to read a board paper I'm quite right, happy to um, write something so uh, but then at the same time what I have had in my career especially since I have had kids and valued it a lot is flexibility I want to be yeah. able to take three hours anytime during my day be with them but then, you know, happy after dinner, then bed, do two hours of work. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. So and I, I think do it's that. actually really good. And it's really good for the kids to see yeah. us. I look at my, I've got teenagers now. Yeah. And I look at them and they've seen me work. And yeah. I know that when I hit the, the big time, which I will at some stage, they're going to have gone, we've watched mum do that for the last 10 or 15 years. We yeah. know that, you know, it doesn't come easy. But if you love what you do, it really helps. Yeah. All right. Now I've got a really silly question for you. So now we're kind of... Um, descending into the depths of silliness a little bit. But anyway, I like to ask these questions because you never know what the answer is going to be. So <laughs> is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you would be prepared to share with us? <laughs> a quirky fact. <laughs> Maybe um, most people wouldn't know that I did uh, about 10 years of Indian classical dance in, in an earlier part of my life. Like Bollywood dancing? No, uh, classical dance, Kathak dancing. Um, so uh, how is that different? Tell me, oh, that Bollywood is amazing. more your pop. This is more the ballet version of the Indian classical oh, dance, right. if you will. But there's a few. There's 
there's Kathak, Manipuri, and Bharatanatyam. I did Kathak. And my guru asked me to go with him to India, and instead I chose to go work, and then I went to China, and we know what happened. So there was a moment wow. in my life of... But there was the sliding doors sliding moment door that moment, maybe yeah. you, could, <laughs> you could have been dancing around the world instead. Okay, and now we're right at the very end. So I love my own phone and apps. Some people love them, some people don't, but I ask everyone the question, do you use your phone for business? And if so, what are your favorite apps? I use my phone is my my business. Actually, my yes, office I for have. Me. And I think it gives me incredible flexibility. So outside of banking and, and social, because I'm going to take those as a given, yeah. have you got any particular apps that you find really useful? Well, I have a meditation app because you, okay. you know, I, so I meditate uh, every day. I make time to do that. I do, I've got my workout app as well on that. <laughs> <laughs> what about though? So for business, like I've got one called Jotnot that um, yeah. just prior to um, Apple releasing the fact that you can now do it, uh, you can scan, I think, in, in your notes. But anyway, I didn't know that at the time. So for years, I've been using jot not to do my um scanning yeah and um and I've got a f- other few little bits and pieces otter to do transcripts and things do you have any like that any sort of new ones that we might not have heard of um look I don't know if it's on my phone maybe not I do lo- use loom when I have to do training oh what's loom what does loom do loom allows you to record yourself on let's say I'm doing a new task I can record yep. myself doing that task and that becomes a piece of training for my team Ooh, I might have to look so into that one I, myself. I use Loom. Um, I also use Otter for the transcription. Yes. Um, it does, Love Otter. you know, yeah, it makes life easy. But, you know, I also, I, I'm very old school, pen and paper. I sit and make my list and cross them out. I, I carry my paper. I, I, you know, for me, that connection between hand and mind is, is very strong. And oh, I'm, I'm only six months to a year into using an electronic diary only yeah. because... Only because my other one was sort of getting really ratty in my bag, but I'm totally with you and I still do everything handwritten and it drives my business partners yeah. round the twist yeah. because they go, where are the notes? And I take a photo and I send it to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking about getting, you know, that fantastic, I think there's a thing that's like um, you can make handwritten notes and yep. it'll turn it into yes. type. I think I need to take my... To take my notes to the next level, I think that'll be my next um, yeah. indulgence. Well, I bought a Surface Pro for that. I moved from a Mac to a Surface, oh. Surface Pro, and I've been carrying that around to be able love to it? have the mix of both, you know, almost handwritten. And so that's the reason I moved to Surface. So maybe look into that. Yeah. And do you love it? <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, it doesn't, I mean, it, you know, I do love the Mac as well, but I haven't missed it so much. Now, maybe if I go and buy a new one, I'm not sure where I'll go. Oh, uh, interesting. But yeah, it's been I wanted to go for a for a Google what's it called um the, the a laptop it's like a laptop that's a Google one and I went to it and they all but but everywhere says no but it's really really clunky and really yeah, slow and I thought okay. god yeah. haven't Google missed a trick when actually they could get us all just using it. Anyway, enough of that. Thank you so so much for joining me today. I've loved this chat. Um if people want to get hold of you what's the best way for them to get hold of you? Uh, uh, I think LinkedIn probably is a good place. Um, okay. So you'll find me rather than me trying to spell out a, a, an email <laughs> address. Uh, or the website is globalcq.com. But thank you, Jewel. I really enjoyed chatting. And I, I think this time we were able to go a bit deeper, a bit 
Further. Oh, look, you've got such a great story. I could probably keep going. But anyway, <laughs> I'll let you get off to your meetings. And thank you so much. Thank you, Jill. Talk soon. I hope you've enjoyed this She's the Boss chat episode. It was great to have you here. If you want to stay in touch, you might also like some of the other things that we've got going on with She's the Boss. Join us for our free Zoom lunches for female founders that we hold online. The best way to do any of these things really is go to she'stheboss.com.au and on there you can register for the lunches and I've also got links to the website. So either way, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying digging down and getting down to the nitty gritty with these women and I hope you'll join me for the next episode.